0: Welcome to the Indianola First podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Well, we have been in a foodies series. We titled the series Foodies. Um, I hope you've enjoyed as much as, as I have, and we've covered a lot of ground, and really this has been a series, as you know, um, just in the book of Luke, going through all the different times that Jesus ministered and taught uh, his followers things and those that were in the crowd uh, at some, in, some, in some of those instances uh, when there was food involved. And uh, there is just more than we we possibly could even touch on um, in every one of these instances, but we've tried to go through and get as much squeezed out of it as we could. But the meal that Jesus had, I mean, we, we talked about this one first week. I'm just going to do a quick run through here just to kind of give you a little remember. Remembrance, Uh, the meal Jesus had at Matthew's house when he was invited over, you remember that? Matthew was also known as Levi, the tax collector. That's how we kicked off this series. And we talked about the supper he had with Simon, the Pharisee, and we talked about the first pot blessing when Jesus fed well over 5,000 people with just a couple of fish and five loaves of bread. And we can't forget about Mary and Martha's B&B, right? Their bed and breakfast. Jesus taught some lessons and manners to all the guests of the Pharisees that invited him over in Luke 14. Uh, one of which uh, was that that you should always take the seat of least honor and not fight over the best seats in the house, and when Jesus invited himself over to zacchaeus 's house, what a beautiful picture of Jesus seeking and saving that which was lost. We talked about Koinonia last week and, and the mandate from Jesus for us to take communion together in remembrance of all he did for us and but today today 's scripture contains probably my Favorite foodie story within the life of Jesus. And most of it takes place on the road to Emmaus. And so we're going to turn to Luke 24, 13 through 27, and uh, let's stand one more time and and let's read this together. This is kind of a larger portion of scripture, but uh, let's read it together and just give honor to God's word. And as you say it out loud and you hear it with your ears, hopefully it'll sink in even deeper. Let's read together. They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. All right, Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning and we pray that you would, again, just just plant it deep down within us. Let it grow, let it bear fruit in Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can be seated. So this morning I want to change the format I've been using a little bit. Instead of going through all of this with our normal foodie facts and where's the beef and take-home box. I I want us to just walk through these scriptures and pull out as much as we can. And these are scriptures that are so jam-packed with meat, we could never get to it all in one sermon. I just want to give you that disclaimer right away. But there were some things that really popped off the page to me, and I, I, I want to go over those today. First of all, these are historical events that took place on the very day of Jesus's resurrection. It was the same day that Jesus rose from the grave. It says that same day, and contextually this means it's the same day that he rose from the grave. And if you can just put your try to get your mind wrapped around this, this was the first day of the new covenant. The first day of the new covenant. Last week, we talked about the Last Supper. And do you remember what Jesus said when he took the cup? He said, This cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. Church, the old covenant that had been the rule of thumb all that time, right? All of time previous, all of, uh, since Abraham, right? All of that, 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 that old covenant was all about. God's standard and man trying to reach God's standard with their own efforts. And I don't know about you, but when I try to be good, I usually fail eventually. How many really good people are there out here? I mean, you're good all the time, you never fail. The old covenant really was impossible because no one could fulfill it, right? Nobody could be good enough. No one could be righteous enough. We none of us here can be righteous enough. It was all about meeting God's standard in our own efforts. Old Testament literally means Old Covenant. That's important. New Testament means New Covenant. His death and resurrection, it opened the door to the most incredible thing that has ever happened to mankind. And I do mean the most incredible thing that has ever happened to humanity. The new covenant that we can enter into through his blood. Simply put, a covenant is an agreement with serious teeth. And this new covenant that was now available to all people everywhere was based on the unconditional love that God has for his highest creation, you and I. It's based on his unconditional love for humanity. And this was the first day, again, the first day of this new agreement that created a bridge between the one true holy God and sinful humanity. The cross of Jesus, his shed blood, and his victory over death, his resurrection, these ushered into existence a path to heaven for anyone who has ever sinned. He purchased eternal life for us, folks. His blood for our salvation. Death itself would no longer have the final word. Hallelujah. Chitty, chitty, bang, bang. I don't care what you want to say. (laughs) Death would no longer get the final word. Ever. For those that love Jesus. From that day until this day, the blood of Jesus shed upon the old rugged cross now gets the final word. And as they were walking and talking, Jesus appeared to them with his resurrected body. And I I was just thinking about this, you know, he, he appeared to them and this was a guy who had died and was resurrected. He was in his resurrected body, that's very significant. And we'll get into that in a minute. But he joined them in their walk, and they didn't recognize him. And he's like, hey, what are you guys talking about? And these two men were obviously fans of Jesus. They were following the day-to-day news of what was happening. And they even seemed to be maybe just a little bit more than fans of Jesus. It seems that they were actually followers, if you understand that, uh, that kind of verbiage, fan or follower. Some of us have been through those, that class. Yet they, they didn't recognize Jesus, and they didn't understand the meaning of all that was going on. When Jesus asked them what they were talking about, the scripture says that they stood still. I mean, they're walking along, and Jesus is like, What are you guys talking about? And they're like, They were sad. They stood still, and they were sad. His question made them stop. Their faces were downcast, the scripture says. They had a sad countenance. Think about that a minute. If they really knew what was going on, this was the first day of the new covenant. This was a day to partay, right? This should have been a day of celebration. This should have been like, do you know what's just happened? This is amazing! But they're like, they question him. How are you unaware of everything that has happened in reference to Jesus of Nazareth? And they referred to him as a prophet who was powerful in word and deed. Notice they didn't refer to him as the son of God. Sometimes what the Bible doesn't say or what people don't say is just as important as what they do say. But notice they didn't refer to him as the son of God. They didn't recognize Jesus as he was walking with them. But this says they didn't recognize the fullness of Jesus' identity back when they were following him either. They even tell Jesus that the religious leaders had him crucified. But, you know, they were really hoping that that he would be the one to save and redeem Israel. Guess it wasn't going to be. I mean... They also explained that it's been three days and some women visited the grave and his body was gone and these women even claimed that the angels had told them that Jesus was alive and this was verified by some of their companions who also went to the tomb, but they didn't see Jesus and they were still like, hmm, yeah, this is a sad day. Jesus wasn't the Jesus we wanted him to be. He didn't do for us what we wanted him to do. I hope you can hear their tone. These guys are on the road walking away from Jerusalem, by the way. They are sad. They are disappointed. And if they believed Jesus was alive, they certainly wouldn't be leaving town. Have you ever thought about that in reading the scripture? If they would have really believed who Jesus said he was, they would have been waiting around to see what is going to happen next. This is going to be good. But they were downcast, they were sad, and they were on their way out of town. It's almost like they had an attitude of defeat. Yeah, we thought he was the Messiah, but it turns out that he wasn't. I mean, these guys are bummed. And you can give them a pass on not recognizing him physically, not because his resurrected body looks so different, but because it says that they were actually kept from recognizing him. But like so many others, they missed the message. This was resurrection day, the first day of the new covenant, and they were leaving town in defeat instead of holding on just a little bit longer to their faith, just long enough for Jesus to reveal the, the, the real victory that had just been won. Death had finally been defeated. It was defeated on that day. So Jesus lets them have it a little bit. He says, you guys are foolish. He says, are you crazy? I mean, that's my version. How foolish and slow to believe the prophets are you? The Messiah had to suffer these things and enter his glory. And understand, church, these were Jewish men, men who knew the Old Testament scriptures. The book of Isaiah was read in the synagogue. They obviously attended those services. Who did they think the book of Isaiah was referring to in chapter 53? I mean, it was read to them, at least annually, probably more, but it says in Isaiah 53, and and this is just 1 through 12. It's not going to be on the screen, so listen to this. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him. This is 700 years before Jesus was born, by the way. Isaiah is writing this. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of the ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing is in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, a a. From, a from, And familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his stripes we are healed. Isaiah is talking about the coming Messiah, They've read these scriptures, they've heard them read in synagogue, and they still missed it. They're looking for a conquering king, and this is who Isaiah is prophesying about. In verse 6 of Isaiah 53, it says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, on him, on Jesus, on the Messiah. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as sheep before its shears he is is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of the people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in, in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth." Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. I mean, this is describing exactly what Jesus just went through. It describes it to a T. It was prophesied 700 years previous, and these guys who knew the scripture still didn't get it. How did they not attribute this prophet and servant in Isaiah 53 to the servant Jesus, to the Messiah that they had been waiting for? I think that Jesus to not connect these dots was probably pretty unbelievable. And I I think that's why Jesus reacted the way he did. He gives it to them a little bit. He 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 says, come on guys, how foolish are you? And he explains to them, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, what all the scripture meant, it says all the scripture meant concerning himself. While they were walking for, I mean, I've heard people say it was a two and a half hour walk. I, I've heard people say um, three to four hours. It's seven miles, you know, It's like how fast are you walking? Who knows? But in the time that it took to walk that distance, he was teaching them All the scriptures, from Moses all the way through the prophets, everything in scripture about him. And they didn't know it was him. It's kind of of ironic. And I, I thought about this. What an awesome conversation that would have been to be a part of. How would you like to have walked with them on that road and listened to Jesus connect the dots in all the Old Testament scripture, all of the scripture it says, to his own death and resurrection and, and all that it would mean to humanity. I can't even imagine how amazing that would have been. So, so what happened next and, and when did they start eating? That's a good question. Luke twenty four, twenty eight through 30. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in and he stayed with them. They urged Jesus to stay and they remind him of the hour. It's getting late. So Jesus goes in and stays with them. And and this is so cool. This is the day of, of resurrection, the same day he rose from the dead. And just a few nights previous, he had his last supper with the 12 apostles. The very next verse. Luke 24 30 says this, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. What does that sound like to you? It reminds us a lot of communion, which we talked about last week. It's demonstrated here again. It's, it's hard not to see it, but, but then look what happens in, in Luke 24 31. Their eyes were, were opened right after he broke the bread and, gave, and, and, and began to give it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. I mean, he breaks out the bread, breaks it, gives thanks. Here you go. And they're like, whoa, this is Jesus. And they're like, poof, he's gone. It's as if all of a sudden the blinders fell off as to who who has been with them this whole time. Then Jesus vanishes. Talk about dining and dashing. Which is the title of today's message. Dine and dash. It seems kind of odd. Why would Jesus just vanish from their sight? Why would, what would be the purpose of that? And he obviously didn't get, get or he didn't need to get away from them because they, they finally recognized him. His body was a resurrected body, not a disembodied floating spirit. It was Jesus, and he had this new resurrected body. It, it was a physical body that, that could walk and talk and eat. A body that could be touched. A week later, Jesus had Thomas touch the wounds in his hands and his side. What what an awesome thing for us to know, because Jesus was the first of those who would be resurrected. He brought Lazarus back from the dead just a week before this. I think it's six days before this. But Lazarus wasn't given a new body. His earthly body was merely healed. His body would eventually wear out and he would pass away again. This, however, was the beginning of something entirely different. The first of many. From now on, those who would die, those who were under the new covenant, and if they died, meaning that they had given their hearts and lives to Jesus, making him their Lord and Savior, from now on, they would never have to experience real death. Ever! Real death is separation from God. That's real death. That's real death. And they would never have to experience that. Some of you have lost loved ones in the past several years, and the holidays are approaching quickly. I know how hard it can be. My family misses my dad every time we get together. We talk about it. When we're on the list of side, we, we miss Dale, her dad. And it's a time that is supposed to be joyous, but it, it often becomes just another reminder of how much you miss your wife or your husband or your child or your grandparent or your friend. And I don't want to be insensitive to anyone's feelings this morning, but sometimes in the fog of our grief, we lose sight of the truth of Christ's resurrection. He rose from the grave forever defeating death and hell. Believers don't have to grieve without hope. There's a forever together coming. And I just need to push you a little bit this morning. Grieve, yes, but grieve with the hope that we have in the resurrection of Christ, the first fruit of all of those that will be resurrected from the dead. It's something to be thankful for. And can I encourage you, please don't let your heart focus on what you don't have or who is not with us during this holiday season. Focus on all that you do have and who is with you and the fact that death in this life is not the end. What do you believe? Do we believe the scripture? Do we really believe it? Because this death thing, it's so temporary. It is so temporary I mean, can can I just push you a little harder if you're if you're just in the trench of grief and can't get out? Grieve, yes, but grieve with hope. God did not create you to live in the gutter of grief. I'm not saying you shouldn't grieve, that you don't have the right to grieve, that, that it's not a process, that it's different for everybody, that, that it, it's a real feeling we have. That's all true. But he didn't create you to live there. And let that grief become your identity. He didn't do that. The fact that death in this life is not the end, that is something to shout about. I mean, that's something to get excited about. And if I were a betting man, I'd bet you that your loved one wouldn't want you to spend your life in the pit of grief. They would want you to live in a way that honors their memory by living in the hope of Jesus Christ. And the promise that we have to be together again. You know, 10,000 years from now, this whole grief thing is going to be such a distant memory. It's just going to be like, a, like, that's not real. That wasn't even real. Because the reality we are going to get to be a part of, the reality, the real reality, if I could say it that way, okay, that is going to be so much more real than this ever was. It's okay to grieve. It's even okay to be angry about missing them from time to time. Just don't camp out there. And don't decide to live in that place of despair. Scripture tells us that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. (laughs) I mean, our loved one, they are with Jesus. If they knew Jesus, they're with Jesus. I mean, they've never been better. I don't want to act like this is a funeral this morning or a celebration of life service or something like that because I use these scriptures all the time in funerals. But the fact is true. They are better where they are now if they knew Jesus than they ever were here. I don't know. I'm just maybe, maybe I'm so naive that I believe the scripture. Right? If believing in the scripture makes you naive, then I'm I'm, I'm naive. Are you with me? All right. It tells us to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. If if your loved one knew Jesus Christ, if they called upon the name of the Lord, even if it was in their final moments here on earth, we can be assured that they're with him even now. Their spirit and their soul has joined heaven's choirs, if you will, heaven's gates. I mean, they are there. They are with Christ. They're in his presence. Their bodies may be here, but their soul and spirit are there. But just as Jesus rose from the grave, met with these men, and vanished, guys, there's going to be a great vanishing that's going to occur in which he rolls back the eastern sky and the trumpet call of God cracks the spiritual sound barrier. The dead in Christ will rise first. That is, their physical bodies will rise and they will meet their soul and spirit in the air in what the Bible calls the great great catching away of the saints. We call it the rapture. What an amazing day that will be. All bodies in the graves of believers will vanish from those graves they'll vanish. The grave has no hold on their soul or spirit, and on that day, the grave won't even be able to hold their bodies. That's the power of the blood of Jesus shed. That's the power of his resurrection, church. I believe that his vanishing is a picture of what is to come for those that believe. Not just the dead in Christ but on that same day those who remain alive on this earth who are under the new covenant those who have given their hearts and lives to Jesus they will vanish from this earth and meet the Lord in the air along with all those who died in Christ and they will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye and we will be given new bodies at that moment but nothing like we have now these bodies will be perfect new bodies how many are in the market for a new body? I mean, come on, right? That's what's what's coming up for us. We get to be a part of that. Man, Jesus appeared to these guys in his resurrected body, and it was a physical body. Again, it's not some floating, disembodied spirit, it's not some ghost. It's not it. It's not it. He had a physical body. How do I know that? Because he ate food. They touched his side. He walked with them. They didn't even know it wasn't one of them. Like they had, a body like they had. They didn't get it. Now their eyes were obviously uh, were shut and they were kept from seeing, the word of God says. But this was Jesus walking in his resurrected body, walking, talking, eating, enjoying it's a picture of what our bodies will be like. First Corinthians fifteen thirty five says this But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? And 1 Corinthians fifteen forty two, 42, I skipped some in there, you can read it later, but 40, verse 42, 15, 42 through 44 says this, so, so will it be with the resurrection of dead, the body that is sown perishable, the one that we bury in the ground, we, we plant it like a seed, we sow it, that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It has sown a natural body, it has raised a spiritual body. That's those that have died in Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, 52 through 54, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, this is talking about more about us who, are, who remain. I say us because I think Jesus is coming back soon and we get to be a part of that. But in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable, as we just read in the previous scripture, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. I mean, we're going to take off our perishable perishable body, and we're going to put on a new body that's imperishable. I mean, mortality is going to just be taken off like an old robe, and then we get to wear immortality. That will be our new body. And it says when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with, the, with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. So let's apply this a little bit. We're com- again, we're coming on the holidays. We're going we're gonna to be missing some people. I get that. But every time you get overwhelmed with grief and you want to go into the back bedroom and shut the door and just bawl your eyes out, it's okay to ball. it's okay to cry, I'm not saying that. But when you do, please remember, death has been swallowed up in victory. And I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you, I'm pushing you a little hard in this area this morning. But if you start getting that temptation to feel so overwhelmed with grief that you can't function, you remind yourself, you remind the devil, you remind your family and your friends that are all there gathered with you that death has been swallowed up in victory. You've got to remind yourself of that. There is nothing wrong with reminding yourself of that when the devil is constantly reminding you of what you've lost. I mean, he's right there, oh, you know. And it is sad. I'm not disqualifying your feelings, okay? Don't think that. But the truth of the word of God is true. Yes, it is. And if you want more on this, read the 18 verses in First Thessalonians chapter 4. You know what it says at the end of that? It kind of just goes over. Just what I, just what I said in 1 Corinthians 15. Kind of redoes it. Puts it in a little different flair. Write that down, read it. It's only 18 verses. But the last verse says, encourage each other with these words. We're supposed to talk about this. The hope that we have through Christ's resurrection. He rose, so we get to rise too. And remember our two boys on the road to Emmaus? This is what happened after they realized they had been with Jesus the whole time. This is what happened after he vanished. Luke 24, 32, 33a through 33a. It says they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? It's like, how do we not understand that this was Jesus? How do we not get that? I mean, maybe one of them looked at the other one and said, Duh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they felt dumb. They felt like, why did we not get this? What's wrong with us? And so what did they do in verse 33, the first part of 33? They, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. I mean, they're like, what's wrong with us? Why? How can we miss that? And there may have been, there might be a subtle message here regardless of how you interpret these scriptures, but a heart that's on fire for Jesus, a heart that burns with passion for him is a heart that first recognizes him. Spend time with him and get to know him so well that you don't miss him when he speaks to you and when his Holy Spirit prompts you in this direction or that direction. Verse 33 says, tell us, Uh, Verse 33 tells us that they went back to Jerusalem. And, and, you know, I bet um, it says they got up and returned at once. Like they immediately got up. Oh, he's vanished. Let's go. Let's go talk about, let's get back to Jerusalem. How far away had they come? Seven miles. We don't know how long it took them to walk that seven miles. But I guarantee you it was a lot quicker getting back to Jerusalem than it was getting to Emmaus. I thought about this. I thought, what was their mile time? You know, um, was it? They hustled. They were excited. They put on their Jerusalem Air Nike jogger sandals, and I <laughs> bet, I bet they were like cruising. And that's just a guess, but I don't know. I I don't know how you could refute that. They were fast. Luke twenty four thirty three b through 35 says this. There they found the 11 when they got back to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. This is what the 11 were saying. It is true. The Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two guys who were on the road to Emmaus with Jesus told everybody what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them um, when he broke the bread. When you experience Jesus, don't shut up about it. Run as fast as you can and tell everybody about the goodness of God. That's what these two guys did. Cleopas and the other guy who wasn't named, the 11 told them about Jesus appearing to Simon Peter. They weren't holding anything back. And these two who walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus didn't either. And I want to sum up this morning this. Jesus rose from the grave. Just a couple of points I want to give you. Jesus rose from the grave, so we wouldn't have to be subject to it anymore. Let that sink in. We don't have to be subject to the grave. We don't have to be subject to the grief of the grave. We can be sad, we can grieve, and we should. But we should never allow ourselves to get so stuck in it that we can't function. We grieve like those with hope. Jesus rose from the grave so we wouldn't be subject to it anymore. He vanished from the two, which alluded to a great vanishing that would one day take place because of his resurrection. And that's going to be a crazy day. And I don't think we're very far away. The Bible says the great catching up of the saints, the great gathering up is, is the Greek words. We just say rapture because it's easier to say. But it's, it's, it's the rapture. I mean, there's going to be people all over this world, millions upon millions, that are gone. And I, I'm, I, I, I'm, I watch the news. I see what's going on. I, I, you know, I'm trying to be that, that, that believer who, who looks for the signs, who recognizes the, the signs and the, of the times that we live in. And it's, it's very amazing to me even the little things that are going on with that that are like they're they're being started and they're being rooted uh, already to try to explain away what's going to like explain away why millions of people are gone on that day you can see it i mean i don't know what they're going to come up with evolution they're always working on that like like somehow we you know Election says that, that those people who were a lower breed of people because they believed in religious things had to go. I mean, who knows what they're going to come up with? How many know people today will believe anything you tell them? <laughs> I mean, UFOs, have you saw all this stuff with UFOs? I mean, maybe the UFOs came and got us all, the aliens. They're going to have an explanation. I don't know what it's going to be. They're going to have an explanation why all these people are gone. But that great day of the Lord when he comes back, And we'll be gone in the twinkling of an eye. Our bodies will be changed. We'll get that new body like he had. I wonder if we'll be able to like vanish places and go here and there and be like, I think so. There's no reason to not believe that. That was our example. Jesus is our example. Put your hope in that that he's coming back, and that his resurrection allows us all to be resurrected, especially when it comes to losing loved ones. And the last thing, share with everyone about all that Christ has done and is doing. They need that hope just as much as you do. You know, uh, we've had some, some brushes with with. Uh, Accidents and things that have gone on in the church in the last couple of weeks. I, I know a lot of you know uh, Don Putz I talked about a little bit last week. I, we, got the, we got the pictures this week of the actual car that, that where he was in. And we always, according to the police report, it was the passenger side, but it was actually the driver's side. And when you look at those pictures of the car, there is no way he should have walked out of there as good as he walked out of there. That's the angels of the Lord protecting, right? I mean, we should share with everyone, how God protects. And how many have a protection story? You know, right, that God's protected you from something and how he's blessed you and how he's put your relationships back together and how he's saved you and how he's set you free and how he's healed you and how he's provided for you and all the things. Our mouth should be so full of all the praise that we have for God and all the great things that he's done that we don't even have time to let words of negativity, doubt, fear, all the crap that does come out of our mouth come out. And if you don't have a current testimony, rob somebody else's and tell everybody about what God did for them. God's good. Absolutely good. Yeah. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much that you love us with an everlasting love. And although we grieve and we miss and we hurt, God, for those that are no longer with us, those that were so much a part of our lives. God, we stand firm in the fact that you rose from the grave and we're all going to get to be together again. Let this holiday season not be a reminder of what we've lost, but let it be a reminder of what is going to happen in the future. An awesome, amazing, supernatural, glorious reunion. God, with all of those that have gone before us that knew you. Lord, I pray that every time we get tempted to kind of just slip into that place of of such hurt and such despair and even depression, God, about what's what's taken place, Lord, I pray that you would just remind us, you'd quicken our hearts to remember that you defeated the grave. And we'll feel the full effects of that before too long. God, we love you. I thank you. We thank you for the holiday season that's coming up. Let it be a time of celebration and family and just wonderful uh, times in your presence together, Lord, with family and friends. Be with all of these specifically that have come forward today and give them a joy that is in a peace, God, that's not explainable in human terms. It's a joy and a peace that comes only from you, only the kind of joy that, that you can give. Lord, we thank you for that. And help us as a congregation remember all of those that have lost loved ones and to be there for them, to invite them over, to give extra hugs during the holiday season and and be the kind of Christians you've called us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.